Uh, we are still speaking about visions and dreams, but we are weaving faith into that. So why don't I read this morning again from Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and that's become one of our theme scriptures for this uh, current uh, series of messages entitled, Turning Visions and Dreams into Reality. Uh, so I'll pray, and then we'll pray. And then, What did I say? I'll pray, and then I'll pray. I'll read, and then I'll pray, and then we launch out. Praise God. All right, it says here, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And Father, we thank you again for your word this morning. We thank you, Father, that as the proclamation of your word takes place, that illumination comes. Our faith rises to new levels. We thank you, Lord God, that every lie, every deception will be challenged, and the truth of your word prevails in our hearts and in our lives. We declare, Lord, that we are teachable. We are open this morning. We recognize, Lord, that we don't know it all. And in fact, uh, after it's all said and done, we don't know enough. So we ask, Father, that you speak to us. Teach us, give us insight and revelation. We thank you, Lord God, that our hopes and dreams are, Lord, rising to a new level as we realize that you're able to do all things. And so, Lord, things that we previously thought are impossible, we now know that they are possible. So we thank you, Lord God, for your word. Uh, let these things become revelation to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I do launch out, let me just <clears throat> straighten things out. I've been instructed to straighten things out just a bit. There's nothing wrong with the lectern was before, but for those of you that are really into pictures hanging straight and everything just synchronizing and lining up, I thought it just, it just helps you. Anyway, <laughs> praise God. Uh, let's uh, outline. That's right. So if you haven't got an outline in your hand, raise up your hand and, uh, and uh, somebody's going to get you one. And uh, as we've already said, we're still speaking about visions and dreams. Um, we have so far commented on the need, or should we say the strong need for visions and dreams and revelations in our lives. The Bible tells us that without a vision, people perish. Uh, if people are, haven't got a hope, they're hopeless. If they haven't got a vision, they're visionless. And uh, they go around in circles and, uh, and so forth. But God doesn't want us to go around in circles. God wants us to have, have a hope, a vision, a dream, and to pursue it and to go for it. So today I will, uh, to some extent, uh, speak about the need uh, for faith to turn our hopes into reality. Uh, and uh, with that, I'm reading again from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of of things not seen. Um, I believe that we have sufficiently covered now the need for a hope, the need for a vision, the need for a dream, and I guess uh, uh, another word for vision or dream would be hope. And the Bible tells us right here that uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Therefore, uh, we conclude that hoping alone is not enough. Having a vision alone is not enough. Having a dream alone is not enough. Uh, we need to have faith and operate in faith to bring that vision to pass. And uh, right there it tells us that, uh, that uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, the margin of one of my Bibles that I have, in the, you know, the marginal note there, it says that faith is the realization of things hoped for. Faith is the realization of things hoped for. In other words, your faith will turn your hopes into reality. Uh, and everybody has faith. If you're born again, you have faith. The Bible tells us that God's given us the measure of faith. 
We just need to know what to do with it. We just, we just need to learn to develop that thing, uh, to get it humming and functioning and, and like a muscle that uh, every baby has got the same amount of muscles that you and I have as adults today, but that muscle needs to be developed. We need to learn how to use our arm. And have you ever um, watched little babies, you know, when they just, you know, do baby things, they just throw their arms around and then one day suddenly there is a, a realization that they've got arms. It's like, wow, I, <laughs> I can actually control this thing. And so it is with faith, my friend, where, re- where we realize that faith is actually a faith arm that reaches out and receives from God. And, and we know how to do that in a targeted sort of a way rather than having sort of an occasional faith accident where we suddenly re- swing our arms and s- something ends up in our hands, you know. And so we can very, be very targeted about that. <laughs> and so, uh, so can I also say that uh, since faith is the result of hearing the word, uh, hearing God's word, we could say that the word of God gives substance to our visions and dreams. The word of God gives sub- substance to our hopes and to our dreams. And I say this because, number one, the Bible says so. And, uh, and number two, because I believe that the, the Word of God is hugely underrated in Christendom, in the, in, in the, in the church world. Uh, sometimes people uh, say, look, just trim the preaching down. Just entertain us. Give us a bit of this or a bit of that. But friend, at the end of the day, it's the Word of God that puts us over. Uh, entertainment is not going to build stability into our lives, but the Word of God will. And learning how the, uh, the word, what the Word says and how to operate the Word uh, again is going to help us. So again, I say that since faith is the result of hearing the word, and, and of course we know the scripture for that is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing God's word. We can say that the word of God gives substance to our hopes and to our dreams. And in fact, ultimately, it, it all goes back to God himself as a person, to God Almighty, that God, through his word, is the source of our hopes and our dreams and uh, God also through his word is the source of substance of our hopes and our dreams. Uh, we'll discuss that in a bit more detail la- later on. But uh, like right here, we've got some examples written down. We know, or should I say, we hope for eternal life because God's word tells us about eternal life. How, how do we have a hope of eternal life? Well, God's word tells us about it. So God's word is the source uh, and of course, behind God's word is God Almighty Himself. He's the source of our hope for eternal life. Uh, and uh, that's very much what Christian life is all about. All right. Also, we hope for divine healing because God's word tells us about it. We hope for supernatural provision because God's word tells us about it. And so God's word uh, is the agency or the mechanism that God uses to give, uh, give us our hopes, and also to then give substance to these hopes to turn them into reality. And so with that, uh, we note that, in fact, let me go to Acts chapter, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Acts chapter 20, and let's put some scriptures to that, uh, because at the end of the day, opinions don't count. Uh, the Word of God always does. It says in verse 32, uh, Paul the Apostle speaking, He says there, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, um, if this scripture were to tell us that God is able to build us up 
and to give, an, give us an inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. We have no problem with it because, oh, of course, God can build us up. And, but this doesn't tell us that God builds us up, but it tells us that God's Word is able to build us up. And God's Word is able to give us an inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. And suddenly, uh, suddenly puts this whole thing to, into a different perspective. Now, suddenly re it, we realize the importance of God's Word. That, uh, you see, if you take the God's Word out of the equation... We will never move anywhere because God's Word is the agency that God uses to instill hopes into our lives and then furthermore to instill faith into our lives so we can use faith in order to see hopes and dreams and aspirations realized. The message translation there says, it'll give you everything you could possibly need. What will give us everything that we possibly need? God's Word will give us everything that we possibly need. The New Century Version says, it will give you the blessing, uh, I start again, it will give you the blessings God has for all of His holy people. So God's Word will give us the, the blessings that God has for all of His holy people. When we realize this, we would search the Scriptures more thoroughly and more uh, carefully and with more anticipation because at the end of the day, friend, it's all in the book. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting where somebody says, look, uh, look, uh, um, just follow me on this. Uh, somebody has a great need and says, look, I've got something going on and, and you know, um, and, and, and I need this and I need that and I need it now and not next week because next week's too late. I need it now. And somebody comes along and says, look, I, have a, I, I, I feel God's laid a word on my heart for you. And it's from such and such and such and such. And it says, thus says the Lord, da, 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 a word. That person has a need and somebody gives them a word. But you see, that's how God works because that word will fire up hope in their lives. Uh, hope for a better day. Fire up hope for a breakthrough that they don't have to put up with this situation in their lives from here on in. But things can be changed. And so it'll fire up hope and it'll instill faith. And if they know how to operate by faith and lay hold of this word, that becomes the answer and that becomes the mechanism and the, the agency that God uses to bring breakthrough into their lives. And of course, somebody that doesn't understand might say, look, don't give me a word. I've got a financial need. Give me $10,000 and it'll fix my problems. But you see, friends, at the end of the day, and you know, praise God, some of those people are in dire straits and they need financial assistance, but it's like the old saying, you know, at the end of the day, if you give a hungry man a fish, uh, he'll eat the fish today and tomorrow you need to give him another fish. But if you teach him how to fish, he can look after himself. And if we learn how to operate by faith, we learn how to stand on our own two feet and, and never to suggest that we're independent from our brothers and sisters. We, we're flowing together and we're working together, but there's something about growing up in the things of the Lord. There's something about being able to grow up and to stand by faith and then to help somebody else to stand by faith. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, so, so it's learning the principles of faith. And here it tells us that God's Word is able to build us up. God's Word is able to give us that inheritance amongst all those that are sanctified. And uh, realizing that we suddenly put, the, put the, the Word of God on a much higher level in terms of, our, of, our, in terms of our, uh, the way that we view the Word. In fact, God himself tells us that he's magnified his word even above his own name. God considers his word to be very, very, very important. And you and I, we ought to consider the word of God very, very, very important. 
That's why uh, uh, when, you know, when I'm sitting in a, in, a, in a church service or in a seminar somewhere and the Word of God is proclaimed, don't come and talk to me in the middle of the service because I'm listening, because I'm putting the Word of God on a high, on a high level of priority in my life, and, and, and it's not good enough to hear three words and to miss five and to hear another three because I'm not going to get it. I need to hear every word. And because there's a message that God's trying to get across to me. <laughs> and you know how it works? <laughs> uh, it's just amazing. I'm laughing, but it's actually quite a sad situation. Somebody's got a need in their life, and the very Sunday when they've decided to stay home, that's when the message of, from God comes to bring breakthrough into their lives, but they're not there. Uh, they've decided to stay home because staying home is more important to them than to be in the house of God and to hear the word of God proclaimed. And, uh, you know, somebody else decides, oh, I just, uh, oh, it's too hot in here and I, I need to go out. I need to go and comb my hair. I need to go and uh, <laughs> I need to do something. And out they go. And, and it is amazing that, I mean, nobody's moving right now. Praise God for that. But, you know, in, 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 in churches, you know, getting to large meetings and everywhere, but there's sometimes thousands of people. And you, and you look down the back and you ushers know what I'm talking about. The milling around and the moving that goes on during the preaching of the word. And people are, you know, just in and out and everything. In other words, in their mind, the word of God is way down here when it comes to, to, to um, viewing it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you can certainly see if it's important to them or not praise God. And I can see you're really listening, praise God. You're just, a, you're just awesome people. Hallelujah. So we conclude that the Word of God is the raw material for everything that God has promised us. Let me say it again. God's Word is the raw material for everything that God has promised us. So when we have the need, the first place that we ought to go to is the Word of God. Because the raw material is right in here. Uh, raw material, if anybody wants to build a house, raw material is timber. Um, and uh, wants, you know, wants to, you know, raw material. If somebody wants to build a, a steel structure, the raw material is steel. Uh, and friend, if you need healing in your life, the raw material is the Word of God. If you need a financial breakthrough, the raw material for your financial breakthrough is the Word of God. That's where we go. That's where the answer is. Somehow we need to search. We need to find it. And, and, and somewhere, somehow it's in there. And as we search, praise God, uh, God gives us the answer to that particular situation. So again, I say that the Word of God is the raw material for everything that God has promised us. It lets us know what God has promised us. All right, so we first need to know what God has promised us before we can release faith. Secondly, it inspires the hope of obtaining that promise, and it paints the picture in our imagination to show us what it looks like. We've talked about that. We've talked about the need for a firm and a clear picture in our mind, in our heart, in regards to that particular promise that we've decided to claim, to lay a hold of. Um, the Word of God will paint the picture of that. And uh, thirdly, it instills faith into our hearts, which is the confidence that this promise will actually come to pass in our lives. Friend, let me say, God's not trying to tease us. God is not, a, not trying to tease us. He doesn't just put promises in there and say, oh, just read about it. This is what you could have, but I'm not, not going to give it to you. No, God says, this is what is yours. If you understand the process, then God's word will, uh, uh, as I say, uh, give us that hope and then uh, inspire that confidence that this will come to pass. And finally, it will give substance to that hope so that that hope can be turned into reality. Jesus is not happy 
when faith is only, uh, should I say, when healing is only a theory, God wants it to be a practical thing that is lived out in our lives, divine health. Jesus is not happy because he's paid for 100% healing on the cross. So he's not holding out on you. He's not holding out on me. Uh, Jesus also is not happy when people are poor because he's paid for prosperity. He's paid for all of our needs being taken care of. Uh, you see, and so, and so he's not happy. Uh, he's not fully satisfied until you and I uh, uh, have got everything that, that he's paid for and until we're fully enjoying uh, everything that he is, he's taking care of for us on the cross so let me talk about the how-to's then uh, in a nutshell and then we'll break it down a little bit and and go through the various steps and I don't know I know that faith is more than a formula uh, faith is more than ABC but there's something about that helps me that helps me about uh, to break things down and tell me the steps and, I, and once I uh, you tell me the steps I can follow the steps and get it to work for me all right so so the how-to's in a nutshell number one identify the specific promise which is the basis for your hope. All right, you need to go to the Word. Just having a hope alone is not enough. You need to know what scripture uh, uh, it is where that hope comes from. Secondly, meditate on the promise to form a clear image in your heart. Uh, thirdly, pray for a revelation on the specific promise. Uh, fourthly, confess the promise boldly and frequently boldly and frequently and fourthly act on the word of God and, and, and uh, sixthly praise God and thank him in advance even before the promise manifests in your life we're talking about the operation of faith now we're talking about the how to's of how to turn hopes, dreams, visions aspirations into reality so we can enjoy them uh, as I say uh, you know in terms of using faith if we had to use our faith to, to have a chair to sit on right now you wouldn't have to use your faith you're sitting on a chair you no longer have to use faith it's reality uh, you can feel it you can touch it you can enjoy it you can use it and so it is with all the other things that God has made available to us. So number one, identify the specific promise, which is the basis of your hope. Romans 4.18 speaks about uh, Abraham. Uh, he, he, he was renamed from being called Abram, uh, which means prince to Abraham, uh, which means father of many nations. And it says here that it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now God, of course, uh, revealed himself to Abraham and gave him a promise. Abraham was childless. Him and Sarah had no kids. Uh, Bible tells us that Sarah was barren. And by the time uh, uh, this whole thing happened, uh, both of them were beyond their childbearing age in terms of natural years. Uh, yet God promised them, and God says to him, he says, so shall your offspring be. For those of you that have read in that passage there in, uh, in Genesis from chapter 12 onwards, uh, uh, 14, 15, uh, uh, over to 18 and 20 and onwards there, God appeared to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, he says, lift up your eyes. 
and if you can, at nighttime now, and he says, if you can count the stars in, in the heavens, he says, your children are going to be that many. He says, so shall your descendants be. And then in the daytime, he says to him, Abraham, he says, if you can count the dust that's lying on the ground, he says, your children are going to be that numerous. And he says, so shall your descendants be. And in another passage, it tells us that, uh, that uh, he said to him that uh, uh, your children are going to be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And uh, for those of us that uh, know about sandy beaches rather than rocky beaches, you go down to the, to, the, to the beach and you pick up a handful of sand. And if you try to count through it, you'll just get lost very, very quickly. And so in other words, Abraham, you're going to have a lot of kids, too many to count, too numerous. He says, so shall your offspring be. And that scripture, that promise, so shall your offspring be, became the promise that formed the basis of Abraham's hope. Now, Abraham had wished for children before, before all of this took place. Uh, we must realize, though, that faith isn't the substance of things wished for, but it is the substance of things hoped for, the substance of proper Bible hope. Everybody on this earth has wishes, but not everybody has a Bible hope. All right, even though it's normal, natural to, have, to wish for, say, for children, this is what the situation was here, but uh, it was not until, until Abraham had that promise that he had a proper Bible hope. And friend, you can have wishes and needs in all directions. It is not until you go to the book and find yourself a passage that deals with your need that you have proper Bible hope. All right? Very important. Sometimes people overlook that and just fire off and, and so forth. Uh, so proper Bible hope. Secondly, meditate on the promise to form a clear image in your heart. And so here it says in Genesis 15, verse 5, that God took Abraham outside and he said, Look up to the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Now that was a one-time event that God spoke to him, in fact, twice, uh, uh, and uh, that we were able to identify. Might have been, might, God might have repeated it, but you know, each time when... Uh, when uh, Abraham went outside the tent after dinner and uh, while Sarah was making a cup of tea back in the tent, Abraham is sort of looking around and, and, and he's meditating, so shall your offspring be. And of course God uh, wanted him to have that imagination, to get that imagination going, to imagine himself with kids. And of course he's thinking, my, and I need to have bedrooms for all these kids. And wow, that's got to be a lot of tents. And, uh, you know, like sort of engaging the imagination and, and wow, you know, going to be a lot of kids to feed and, uh, and uh, better buy another property and put a few more cows on that paddock. And, you know, just engaging the imagination. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's not uncommon for people who uh, uh, believe in God for kids to, to literally to have children when, when there is some kind of an issue for people to say, all right, well, if we really believe in God for kids, then let's get a kid's bedroom ready. Let's get everything laid out and everything ready. Uh, because typically when moms fall pregnant, you know, they typically would have thought about a bedroom for the kids and a cot and whatever else that you need. And uh, in fact, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're talking about acting on faith just a bit later on. It's get something ready. Um, 
and to meditate form a clear picture. So each time when Abraham meditated on the promises, he looked at the stars of the sky and the dust of the earth, and a clear image formed in his heart of the numerous kids that he was going to have. Father of many nations. That's what God called him. He changed his name from prince to father of many nations. Now, the third point here is pray for a revelation on this specific promise. Actually, we should just underline the word or circle the word pray. Uh, can I suggest that a strong prayer life is very necessary for a strong faith? Um, because it's a strong prayer life that hooks us up with God and a relationship with God. Friend, faith without a relationship with God is, is, is not uh, possible. Uh, you can get some things done, but ultimately, if we're disconnected from God, a formula is just a formula, uh, and it won't produce anything. It won't produce, it won't work. Uh, and everything else, you know, like I was just thinking there before that, uh, you know, when we talk about um, faith and we, we, we have steps one, two, three, four, and, and everything, this is assuming that we know and understand other things. Uh, one of the primary requirements, of course, uh, is listed in... in uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it tells us that we do seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. And so if we're not seeking first the kingdom of God and we're not hooked up with God in a vital relationship, uh, this is just a theory and it'll never be a practical aspect because you can't operate in faith separate and apart from God. All right, it's very important. So a strong prayer life ensures that we have a vital relationship with God. It's been said that the Word of God, the written Word, contains 6,000 promises. All right? And uh, all of which legally and potentially belong to us. And I say potentially with some reluctance because uh, uh, once you're born again, every promise in the Bible belongs to you, belongs to me. All right? It belongs to us legally in the sense that, uh, that a decree was passed in heaven that when somebody is in Christ, when somebody becomes born again, they leave their former life behind, they embrace the new life, they accept Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. It says that all things have become new uh, and so forth. And then it tells us in the Scripture that all promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. So once you're in Christ, everything is yours. But, but uh, the thing that we need to emphasize here is that the potential is there for every one of those promises to manifest in our lives. The potential is there. But have you know that many Christians are living way, way, way beyond the potential? And the, the idea is that, uh, that these things become ours, ours practically. They're fleshed out, that things are manifesting, that healing is uh, manifesting, that, that, that our needs are met, that, uh, that we're walking in the joy of the Lord, that we're fruitful in the work of the Lord, that we're reaching out and, and seeing people saved, and that somehow we're involved in the work of the Lord and so forth. Um, and so all of these uh, promises... Um, are legally ours and potentially however we need to pray that these promises turn from information to revelation so that they practically belong to us uh, and the difference here if we had a bit more time we could talk about the difference between information and revelation Frank can I suggest to you that for the most part when we read the word of God 
the first time or hear it proclaimed the first time for the most part, not always, but for, for the most part it's information. All right. Uh, and it is not until that information turns to revelation that things really get going and the power of God is released and these things become practically ours. Uh, and somebody said once that information you carry in your head, revelation you carry in your heart. And preachers have talked about the distance between the head and the heart. Uh, and that that can be the longest distance uh, sometimes. If people don't know how to get into revelation, then these things are just information. And information uh, alone is not sufficient to uh, get these things oper operating in our lives. It starts with information, but it needs to turn to revelation. And so somehow, somehow there is a need in, in regards to particular aspects of be that healing, be that uh, prosperity, be that a breakthrough in an area, relationships. Uh, we say, Lord, give me a revelation on this passage here. I believe that this is my, my word for the hope. This is my word for that dream that I have of having a, a peaceful home, of having a, a strong marriage, of having, having a financial breakthrough, of having a decent job, and, and all of these good things that God has promised us. Uh, and so forth, Lord, give me a revelation. And, and it's not just a one-time event. Sometimes we press in, and, uh, and that scripture becomes part of our prayer life, and we pray this thing over, we proclaim it, we, we confess it, and we'll talk about that uh, just a bit more in, in, in just a moment. Uh, let me read to you from 2 Kings chapter 6 to, to bring an example to what we're talking about. Uh, here is Elisha, the prophet, uh, and he's out there in a particular city. His servant is with him. Um, Elisha had become public enemy number one for the king of Syria, who was frequently raiding, uh, sending raiding armies down from Syria into Israel to, uh, you know, raid a village or a town and, and kill people and raise everything to the ground and, and, and take a whole lot of loot and go back home again. Uh, and so Elisha the prophet uh, said to the king of Israel, he says, look, uh, he says, king, watch out because uh, the king of Syria is going to come down with his army and say, a couple of days time, he will be here, he will be over there. And the king of Israel was forewarned. So the king of Syria found out about this and he says, all right, let's go down and let's capture Elisha. Where is he? He's down in Dothan. So it says that the king of Syria sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the men of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, he said, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Get the picture. Here is two, two things going on. There's the king of Syria with horses and chariots out all around on the hill, and we can certainly imagine that in our hot valley with hills uh, on both sides. Just imagine that just horses of, uh, of uh, you know, and, and, and army soldiers all around us. And the other reality was that there were angels, and there were angels on horses and chariots of fire uh, that were there as well. But when the servant got up and he looked, all he saw was uh, the problem. Uh, the, 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 the uh, solution had not been revealed to him. All he saw was the problem, and he says, Oh, alas, master, he says, what shall we do? His 
fear had gripped his heart. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, Elisha had a deep trust in the protection of God, whereas his servant was full of fear until God's protection was visibly revealed to him. Now, let's just remember here, this is Elisha and the servant. This is out of Second Kings. Back in Deuteronomy, uh, God specifically spoke to them in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, verses 5, 6, 7, thereabouts, that God says, The enemy that comes against you one way shall flee from you seven ways. In other words, God says, I will be there. I will protect you. I will watch over you. Uh, but, but that was only information to Elisha's servant. And when the reality of the problem hit him, that information even went out the window. But you see, when something is revelation, when something is revealed to him, fear leaves and faith comes and suddenly you can stand tall and face this situation knowing that God's going to see you through. And that's exactly what's happened in this situation here. The, the servant, or should I say Elisha, the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes. Uh, and, and the Lord opened his eyes. What did the servant have? He had a revelation. Suddenly the eyes of his understanding were enlightened. Uh, and we don't know specifically whether he had an had a open vision or a closed vision or whatever he had, but suddenly he saw those angels out there. He saw the, the horses and the chariots of fire that had been released from heaven to look after the man of God and after his servant and, and, and so forth, and he had a revelation. You see, when the information of God's protection became revelation, see the difference between information and revelation? The servant's heart was filled, uh, which had been filled with fear, became a heart filled with faith. And sometimes people trying to operate in faith and trying to get this thing going, and it's happening somewhere, but not to a full extent. Sometimes people haven't prayed for a revelation. You see, we have, we have a little tool, a little booklet, what we call the Victory Program. And if you have one of those, you will find that the instruction in the beginning, uh, they will tell you that as you begin to confess and declare God's Word over your life, somehow, sooner or later, one of those passages will rise to the top, to the surface, and that will become your prayer through scripture when it rises to the top suddenly that's the revelation here it is wow uh, information just turned into revelation I've just seen it now now I got it and uh, which of course uh, uh, begs to to uh, sort of explain the aspect again when we talk about confession there is a confession of faith when we are in faith and we declare and suddenly things begin to happen but before we get to the confession of faith we have to do a confession unto faith, where we're declaring a scripture, and it's still only just information. But each time we declare it, we hear it ourselves, and each time we proclaim that thing, and suddenly it plays on our imagination, and suddenly a picture begins to form, and suddenly information turns into revelation, and you're still just declaring it, but su something's changed. Suddenly something t is taking effect in the realm of the natural, because now you're, you're confessing uh, from a position of faith, rather than from a position of unto faith. You see the difference? In fact, Brother Hagen specifically taught about that in terms of the confession. People say, oh, I've confessed it and it hasn't happened. Well, they never pursued this deal long enough so the confession unto faith turned to confession of faith. 
Because you see, I, I stated it again, most times when we hear the scripture, uh, read, when we read it the first time or when we hear it the first time proclaimed, it's typically information, not revelation. And the whole aspect of confessing, we're declaring information, and at some stage along the way, it turns from information to revelation. And that requires some effort on your part and on mine. Um, there's some effort required. That's just how it works. So it is for the same reason that Paul um, prayed for the Ephesian believers that God would enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Basically what he was praying was, Lord, give them a revelation. And Frank, can I suggest that sometimes, uh, um, sometimes we pray this, that, and the other, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, it's good to pray, good to pray for people, but I feel that one of the most effective prayers for somebody else is to pray that God will give them a revelation because when they can see it themselves, they're on their way. They're on their way. Um, and, uh, and that's why, you know, sometimes I suspect that sometimes we, we pray things and, you know, we can spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and God do this and God do that and Lord come in from, from the left and move through and do this on the way through and, and out the other side and whatever we might pray. <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, uh, kidding a bit. But, uh, but Paul's prayers in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Colossians um, are very, very effective. The first one is what we've just listed here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, right through to verse 18, 19, is about revelation. Then we have another one in chapter uh, 3, verse 12, 13, 14, uh, thereabouts, where it says that, that, he, that, that people will be strengthened with might by God's Spirit in their inner man. So pray for revelation, pray for strengthening. And then over in Ephesians again, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, it's again revelation. Lord, that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. For those of you that are taking notes, these are the passages. Ephesians 1, 16, we've just looked at that, chapter 3. And then in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And these are some of the prayers that if you don't know what to pray for, to help somebody else, these prayers will always work and they will always be very, very effective prayers to pray. And some, that's right, you can pray these prayers for yourself. Uh, and sometimes it's a persevering effect for those of you that have heard Brother Kenneth Hagin's uh, testimony and his, his life. He said that uh, there was a period in his life where he prayed those prayers for himself for a period of three months every day. And he says, after that three months, he says, it was, it was suddenly like the light was turned on. And it was like day, uh, nighttime turned to day. Suddenly it's like, it's like things that he had wondered about before, he suddenly saw. He saw things that he'd never seen before. And there's something about that uh, revelation that, uh, that uh, gives that insight. And once people have that insight, they, they know what to do. They're away. Uh, and we pray consistently. We pray consistently in our pre-service prayer meetings for revelation. Revelation, revelation. Because friends, once you, once you have revelation, you know how to get your needs met. Once you have revelation, you know how to get the breakthrough. Once you have revelation, you know how to, how to, to get a hold of that healing. Once you have revelation, it's like uh, revelation, praying for revelation deals with a lot of, does away with the need to pray for a lot of individual other things. Lord, do this, Lord, do that, Lord, do the other. Lord, come in here and do that. If we pray for revelation, it empowers the person. It empowers us to suddenly lay a hold and, and to use our own faith. Number four, 
confess the promise boldly and frequently. Everybody say boldly and frequently. There's something about a bold confession of faith. There's something about boldness in our walk with the Lord, uh, not a hesitancy or, oh, I'll say quietly. No, no, boldly and frequently, not just once or twice, but frequently, uh, daily, uh, depending on what's happening uh, uh, several times a day, sometimes all day. Uh, there's some scriptures that I that we some of us have confessed all day, every day for we don't know how long, and some of them we are still confessing because uh, there's something about the confession of faith that releases God's power on an ongoing basis in our lives. And I remember uh, the teaching that Don Gossett brought to us uh, a number of years ago. He says that confession brings possession. Everybody say that confession brings possession. So if you don't know how to get a hold of it and you're somehow wondering or struggling, just remember that confession brings possession. Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, With the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Sure, the imagination is important. Sure, a mental picture is important, but it is important that we confess that words leave our mouth so that power is released. You see, God's word is powerful. There is a release of power as we declare the word of God boldly and frequently. If we had time, we would go into Hebrews chapter 3, which tells us that we had to hold fast the confession of our faith. And sometimes, you know, people confess it three times and say, I've confessed it three times and nothing's happened. But the word says, hold fast to the confession of your faith. And don't drop it. Uh, uh, don't allow discouragement to set in. You see, this is where when somebody has a faith burst and tries faith to operate in a particular area, but the Bible says that we, we should have the spirit of faith and that we walk by faith. It's a lifestyle, not something that we try once to see if it works, something that we do all the time. And for those of us that have decided to learn the language of faith and we are getting a handle of it, we, we say simple things like, good things are happening. Why do we say that? It's part of the language of faith. And say, well, praise God, God's going to work this thing out. It's part of the language of faith. And, uh, you know, Paul, the, the apostle, he says, oh, we are cast down. But he says, we're not defeated. And he says, we are oppressed or whatever he says there in Corinthians. And so Paul wasn't afraid to state the facts and say, this is what's going on. And, uh, and stuff in the natural is just the pits right now. I'm just kind of paraphrasing a bit here. But he says, we're not defeated. He says, uh, <laughs> so he stated the natural. But he says, uh, and so for those of us that are endeavoring to walk by faith, we, we, we make every effort to, to not leave a conversation on the downer. Uh, we don't leave the, the last word is always the confession of faith. You know, there's something about stating what's going on and, uh, and you know, be that financially or health-wise or something. Say, so look, these are the facts right now, and we're not afraid of the facts. But after we have declared the facts, we declare faith over it, praise God, and we declare that God will see us through. You know, there's no denying that there is, a, that there is a, a, a stuff going on in the world's economy right now. There's no denying. Uh, I mean, there's stuff going on. Things are not looking too good in the natural. But praise God, our God is able to see us through. Hallelujah. That's why, you know, as Marty said earlier on, that next year just holds great things for us, for those of us that uh, have decided to walk by faith. We don't just deny the circumstances and bury our, hand in the, our head in the sand, so to speak. We see it. 
And it's like Abraham, he says, who against hope in hope believed. And you can imagine, you know, uh, Abraham and Sarah, they had a discussion and uh, Abraham would say something like, uh, Sarah, we're a, we're a bit old, aren't we? And, uh, and Sarah said, yeah, we're a bit old. And, and uh, Sarah, we, we haven't got any kids. No, 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 we haven't got any kids. And, and, and Sarah, we are too old to have kids, aren't we? Yes, we are too old to have kids in the natural. But God's given us a word. And so never be afraid to state the natural. But when you finish with that, say, right. But the word says. The word says and release faith into that particular situation. And you know, Abraham is saying, but God given us a word, Sarah, hasn't he? And that's right, uh, Abraham. And, uh, and that's right, father of many nations, <laughs> she called him. That's right. Uh, and uh, praise God that who against hope in hope believed. And that means who against natural hope. When all hope was gone in the natural, they said we believe in the Bible hope. The Bible hope which declares that so shall your descendants be. We know what's going on in the natural. But praise God, Sarah, we walk by faith, don't we? That's right, Abraham. That's right, Father of many nations. Praise God. Uh, uh, we are having a lot of kids. Just look up and look down. Look up at the stars and look down at the dust and the sand on the she seashore. Sarah, you better make some uh, biscuits. Get some stuff ready. Uh, servants, go and build some more tents. We're going to have a lot of kids. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Confession brings possession. So after you have prayed and released your faith, confess the desired end result. You should underline that. This is very important. Don't say, oh, I know God's going to heal me because what you're doing is you're putting a, a healing into the future. God is going to heal me. God is going to heal me. And when might the be? Well, tomorrow, when you get into tomorrow, you say, God's going to heal me. You have just inadvertently put healing off to the next day. God's going to supply my needs, and you just put it off for another day. And so after we have prayed, we have received the answer to our prayer when we pray there and then. This is very important. This is just not just a subtle difference here, but it's like day and night. If you keep on putting stuff off into the future, it will always be in the future. So after we've prayed for healing and we've received our healing, then we say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ, even before the healing manifests. After we've prayed, we say that my needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How can we say that? Because the word of God says so. Praise God. The word of God tells us that if we are tithers and honoring God with the offering, that the windows of heaven are poured out and the blessings are poured out, that there is, there is more than what the room can contain. And so our needs are met, praise God. We are blessed according to, uh, according to uh, the word of God. So we, we confess and we declare the desired end result. We don't just confess our hope. We confess our faith. If you say, I know God's going to heal me, you're confessing your hope. But if you say after you've prayed, I am healed, you're actually confessing your faith. And that's the difference. And friend, hope alone won't get the job done. It's by faith. Praise God. And so each time when Abraham called himself father of many nations, that's what his name means, his faith rose to a higher level. Through confession and visualization, meditation and all of that process, Abraham became fully convinced. 
What we need to realize is that Abraham wasn't fully convinced all the way through. Uh, Abraham struggled the process of him receiving that promise to actually having a son was at least 10 years. Um, and he struggled along the way. Uh, but he got to the stage that each time when he called himself father of many nations, visitors came and he introduced himself as Abraham rather than Abraham, which means father of many nations. Each time he confessed that over himself, each time he looked up and looked at the stars, and each time he looked down, his faith just rose to a new level. And uh, again, information turned to revelation. And wanting to be convinced turned into being fully convinced. Let me talk about that a little bit. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we might not uh, own up to some aspects of uh, the operation of faith or the process of getting into faith. Then we might be in a prayer meeting or God might have revealed something to us or, 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 or something we have a hope or somewhere and we take this scripture and we confess it and we know in our heart it's not happening. We know in our heart that we are wanting to be convinced but we are not yet convinced. Don't condemn yourself over that. It's part of the process. You're wanting to be convinced, but you're not convinced yet. Somebody said to you, oh, yeah, no problem. God's going to, healing touch going to come, and, and we're believing God together, and you're wanting to be convinced, but you're not yet convinced. That's okay. The, it's important, though, that you don't stay in that position, <laughs> that you become fully convinced, because the Bible says that Abraham became fully convinced, being fully convinced, not partially, not one day convinced and the next day not convinced. It's like one day, if, if, if you imagine draw, draw, drawing out uh, Elisha's situation um, over days, say if they had been besieged or something with these uh, uh, horses and army men up on the mountain, that one day the servant might have seen the uh, Syrian army, and the next day he might have seen God's army, and then one day he might have seen Syrian army, and the next day he's seen God's army. At some point, we need, to, we need to get to the place where God's army, seeing God's army becomes more real to us than seeing the Syrian army. The Syrian army is the natural. Uh, it's the danger part. It's the threat. It's the need uh, to be delivered from. Praise God when we look and we declare and suddenly we become fully convinced. And sometimes there's something about even acting convinced that will help you to get there. Um, and I guess that's why we might not sufficiently, you get amongst faith people and they declare as if, uh, if uh, you know, like they own the place and they talk like God and nothing's a problem, everything's possible. And the reality is that even amongst that circle, you will find that some of them are not fully convinced about some of the things that they're saying, but they're declaring it boldly. They will get there. It's a part of the process. Does, does that help? I think it's important for us to understand that, that we don't condemn ourselves and say, well, there's all of these people believing that and I don't yet believe it. I want to, but I can't believe this. And don't condemn yourself. It's part of the journey. Moving right through and you come out the other side and suddenly, wow, information has turned into revelation. You're now convinced that this is yours and you have now seen the chariots of fire. <laughs> You've now seen the angels and, and whatever you need to see for your particular breakthrough. Number five, very quickly now, act on the word of God. James chapter 2 verse 22 says, So you see that Abraham's faith 
and the things that he did worked together and his faith was made perfect by what he did. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, you can operate by faith. Um, but as I said earlier on, we live in a negative world. And in a world, a lot of things are contrary to the operation of faith. We need to be reminded about these things all the time. You can, you can get so caught up with the confession of faith, and if you leave out that acting on the word, that uh, the confession won't work for you. Because the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. Faith, even if it declares, and even if it, if it boldly uh, confesses, if it doesn't have works, is still dead faith. Bible says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So works there is just a, we normally say a corresponding action. Uh, so what do I mean by that? Well, I mean action and uh, confession is typically woven together. You might pray, you have a great financial need. You might pray and you say, right, I've received my need. Praise God, God's got, uh, supplied my need and I'm, I'm walking in, in prosperity now and, da, 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 and then you go away and then you whine and you complain that, that you're so poor and you can't afford anything and, uh, and you're somehow you're making an effort to sort of just look really sad so that somebody you know, feels sorry for you and to draw a sympathy and n n nobody in here will do that I'm sure. But I have been in amongst people that do that. And, and there was a time in my life when I thought that that might, if I do that, if I only draw some sympathy from people, somebody might come to my rescue and somebody come, come to my aid. But friend, um, that's, uh, that causes, uh, it nullifies our confession. It causes our faith to be dead faith and it won't work. It won't produce anything. Uh, again, I say that the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Therefore, we need to add a corresponding action uh, to our faith so that our faith is alive and productive and lifted above the level of just being dead or non-productive. Uh, so what might that mean? That might mean that uh, if you are believing God uh, to be healed uh, and somehow there's some kind of a limitation uh, in your life physically that after you've prayed or after you've been prayed for you make every effort to walk as straight as what you can and as, as good as what you can I mean sometimes that, that you know sometimes people can't walk at all and uh, and at least making an effort to uh, somehow sort of lifting your countenance and say praise God I'm healed and somehow declaring and making an effort to act on that faith rather than just confessing it. Some things you can act on better than others, I understand. And with some aspects, the only, uh, the only applicable faith action is to praise God on a continual basis. And that's my last point here. Point number six, praise God and thank Him in advance, even before the promise manifests in your life. You should circle that word in advance. That's why when you get in amongst true faith people, complaint you just never hear. There's no complaints. There's no gripes. There's none of that stuff that goes on in other people's lives because faith people have weaned themselves off of that. They know that it, it, it works contrary to their faith. You can't spend 10 minutes confessing the word and then spend 10 minutes complaining. You can't do You're canceling everything out. Uh, and so amongst faith people, uh, stuff's always positive. Praise God. Even in the middle of a storm, we say, hallelujah. <laughs> it's a great day today. 
praise God. You just get among faith people and say, glory be to God. Our God's a big God. And they're referring again to the chariots of fire rather than to the Syrian army who is arrayed against them. Uh, and so praising God. Here in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it tells us exactly that. Um, it, says, it says, No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong. Notice the word, grew strong. He wasn't just weak one moment and strong the next. He grew strong. There would appear to be a process involved. He grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Giving glory to God, praising God. I remember that a while back, Vanessa and I, we shared our testimony, and there's some CDs available of that, and I might have shared the story where years ago, Vanessa and I had the opportunity to go to Bible school, to get trained for the ministry, and in the natural, it just wasn't going to happen. My job wouldn't allow it. Our finances wouldn't allow it. Uh, our family circumstances wouldn't allow it. We had small children, and just if you looked at it every, every which way, you saw Syrian's army arrayed against you. And, uh, and I went away, spent some time fasting and praying, and uh, and I prayed over this thing, and I said, Lord, uh, uh, I, I don't know how this thing can be worked out. We want to go. We have a hope. We have a dream. We, we know we, we are called to the ministry. We need to prepare. But you look at the natural. Anyway, God led me to the scripture here in Romans, and that aspect of uh, uh, strong in faith and giving glory to God uh, became revelation to me. So what I would read before, which was information, became revelation. In the King James Version, it says, strong in faith, giving glory to God. And say, oh, Lord, I, I want to be strong, but I want to believe this. But I look at the natural, and all I see is the Syrian army, so to speak. And God says, all right, begin to praise me. Begin to just uh, thank me for this situation and, and so forth. And God sort of helping me to walk by faith. And as I was beginning to praise God and thank God and, and everything, in the meantime, God had visited Vanessa at home. And, and she's ringing me up, and she's crying on the phone. And saying, oh, God's spoken to me, and, and, and we're both to go. And I thought, well, I've got hardly enough faith for myself to go. And now you're saying both of us need to go. And, and anyway, just carry on praising God. And just, you know, sometimes something about pacing the floor and, and, and uh, just praising God. I thank you, God, that you've given me the breakthrough. I thank you, Lord God, that you're working on my behalf. I thank you, Lord God. And I tell you, God arranged and God rearranged, and suddenly it was all made possible. We had to walk on water a bit, though, but suddenly circumstances that seemed to just be so set in concrete suddenly turned around, and, and the boss turned around, and the financial situation turned around, and... <laughs> And, and just things just got, got rearranged and, 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 and all I did was giving glory to God because in the natural I'd hit a wall in the natural I said well I want to go but I don't know how to work all of this out it's, yeah babies and the whole arrangement it was all just beyond working out uh, there's certain things that you just can't work out yourself and in fact some things if we try to work it all out ourselves we can step into manipulation where we start to begin to manipulate things try to change somebody's heart how uh, do you know that we ought not to change anybody's heart we, you know, we just say look this is what's happening but in the end God changes hearts God opens doors that no man can shut God is able to do all of that and he will as we uh, declare you know, that he's working on our behalf and we praise him so let me say and I'm closing now that people who are worshippers are typically also people of faith and, and you know people who worship say say 
you know, just on, not just on a Sunday. Um, and, you know, some Sundays, uh, the last thing we feel like doing is worship God. But, uh, but we worship God anyway because that's part of the operation of faith that we look past and beyond the Syrian army and we see the armies of heaven. We see God working on our behalf. So we lift up our hand and praise God. Anybody looking at our lives saying, man, everything is going good for them. Boy, they're excited about Jesus and everything. They don't know that there's 15 battles going on at the same time. Um, and and, and it, this is not a pretense thing. This is either being in the flesh or in the spirit. It's either in the natural or otherwise in faith. And we, we just praise God in the middle of a storm. We, we, we have trained ourselves to praise God in the middle of a bad situation. So people who are worshippers are typically, um, typically people of faith. Imagine this. Um, if somebody, you know, you were somewhere caught, uh, you, you, you're on a... You're on a um, on a ship and there was an explosion, you're sinking, you can't swim and, and you know you're going down and things are bad. And somebody comes along on their own ship and they swim across to you and they rescue you just in the last minute before you go down and drown and they bring you back to shore and, uh, you know, can you imagine just sort of standing there and saying thanks mate you know, thanks mate and then moving on and just moving on again no, no, no. You, you, even if you were British, uh, and even if you were, and even if you, if you had been taught to keep your emotions to yourself and, and label, and I'm not against the Brits, by the way. Great people, praise God. And uh, but um, you know, just sometimes people are just so emotionless. Uh, and uh, no, you would rush over there. You would hug the guy and say, "Oh, look, I can't thank you enough. I'm just so grateful." You'd suddenly find words. Even if you're really quiet, you'd suddenly find words to express yourself. And people come to church on a Sunday. In the morning, say, oh, thanks, God. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> We're meddling a bit now, aren't we? Since the Bible commands us to walk by faith and not by sight, we praise and we worship God even before we see the manifestation of the promise. Because we know that God's true to his word. We know that this is part of the process in order to see the manifestation. We're excited and we praise God and we're journeying along and sometimes we're not fully convinced yet, but we're praising God anyway. And somehow in the middle of that, God looks down and says, wow, look at this one. We know the challenges. How do we know that God knows every one of our challenges? But that alone doesn't fix anything. But when God sees that we've got our hands up and we're just loving Jesus and we're just worshiping God, God says, wow, look at that. That one's giving glory to us. Angels, quick, get moving. Quickly, get, 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 get over there and, uh, and get in amongst that army, or the Syrian army that's arrayed against him and knock them all down and, and bring rescue into that situation. And suddenly faith begins to work and suddenly there's a release of God's power that is not there by saying, thanks God. How you know what I'm talking about? If you're challenged today, let me just close with this thought, and this is not necessarily planned or anything, but there's something about the world's culture, there's something about the world's culture that in amongst some cultural groups and subcultural groups and groupings, it's very uncool to show emotions. And so people come into the kingdom of God, they do this, 
in the kingdom of God, it's cool to show emotions. Close our eyes. We're just in love with Jesus. And breakthrough. You know, even, even this requires breakthrough. Even to bring your arms from here to there, to just be in love with you. You don't care what anybody else thinks. You, you've gone beyond that. You've moved into a level of breakthrough that suddenly faith begins to flow. You see, uh, bottling up your emotions will hold you back in your faith. And, uh, and somehow, you actually bound up if you can't get excited in the presence of God and become somewhat demonstrative. You're actually still bound, and yet Jesus has come to set you free. Hallelujah.